Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, a few years back, we all started hearing the phrase, fake news being used. Now, the claim by those who used it was that the news media deliberately censored or altered certain stories to influence the general public who relied on these news sources for information. The accusation was that those in places of power and persuasion were using their resources to mislead or misconstrue important facts or figures, or to sweep other information that didn't fit their narrative under the proverbial rug. Fake news was the cry, and doubt was cast. Confusion created, and anxiety amped up. Welcome to the world of misinformation. Stop for just a second. Check your pulse. (laughs) Take inventory of your feelings and emotional state right now. When I bring up fake news, how is that sitting with you? Blood pressure going up just a little bit? Uncomfortable with the topic? Anxious about where this is going? What is pastor saying fake news in the pulpit for? Think about this. If the phrase fake news is able to stir up anxiety, doubt, and confusion when it comes to topics concerning mankind, what do you suppose fake theology would do? If political misinformation leads to these visceral reactions... Oh boy, what about misinformed theology? See, this is what the Apostle Paul is dealing with in his letter to the churches in Thessalonica. He is writing to expose fake news, not simply about the affairs of mankind, but about the relationship between mankind and God. You might say that St. Paul is calling out fake theology, He wants to quash misinformation and bring clarity and encourage. It has to do with the state of those who have died in faith to Christ. What's happened to them? What is their fate? Are they lost forever? How should a Christian mourn when a Christian spouse or parent or child dies? What about the end of the world? What will happen? What will that look like? Is the church to live in fear? Or is there any hope to be found? St. Paul writes to set the record straight. He writes to refute the fake news with good news concerning those who have died in faith. He writes to proclaim good news about Jesus coming again in glory, the resurrection from the dead and to encourage Christians then and now with the good news of the reunion with our Lord and Savior Jesus. Now there seems to be some confusion and anxiety over what happens when a believer dies. Now it's helpful to know that the Christians to whom St. Paul is first writing were former polytheists and idol worshipers. That is to say, they did not have or come from the same worldview as the Jewish believers did. The Jewish believers 
held the worldview that their spirits or souls went to Sheol until the time of the resurrection. Now, the Gentiles, they held a different worldview. They held the worldview that when you died, your spirit or soul descended to the underworld and faced judgment for their deeds by various gods who would determine their ultimate resting place. The Gentile believers were coming from a worldview that envisioned a spiritual existence apart from the body. And the final resting place of the spirit or soul was to be determined by how good or virtuous the person was before they died. In other words, where the spirit ultimately rested depended solely on what the individual did while still alive in the body. So what if someone died and they didn't live a good enough life? What then? Was there much hope for them, if at all? How were the Christians, who were former Gentiles, to make sense of all this? To look to their former worldview? No. St. Paul says, do not be uninformed or misinformed by your former worldview. Be transformed and informed instead by Christ. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now here's good news. Those in Christ, even though they die, they still live. Not in Sheol, as the Jews believed, or in Hades, as the Gentiles believed, but with Christ. Jesus said again, this time from the cross as he was suffering and dying, Today you will be with me in paradise. More good news. When those who believe in Jesus die, their bodies may be laid to rest in the ground, but their spirit, their soul, it lives on in Christ Jesus. So here we can say with bold confidence that a believer who has died has gone to live with Jesus in heaven. Well, that is good news. But see, that's not the end of the story. No, if we stopped there, we would not be faithful to the good news that Jesus has come to proclaim, nor the good news that Paul uh, then shares with the church. Consider again our Lord and Savior Jesus. He took up our flesh, he bore our sin, he suffered our shame, and he died our death on the cross. That is what we believe and what we trust in about our Lord and Savior. He did these things not because we had lived such good, moral, and virtuous lives, not because we did so many good works for others. No, he did these things because, and he suffered and he endured the cross precisely because we were not, and we are not by nature, good, moral, virtuous people who do good works for others. He suffered and died in our place because he loves his creation. He suffered and died in our place because that is the means by which he would rescue his creation from sin and death. That is what we confess in the creeds when we say, I believe. 
But we don't just stop at the cross. We don't just stop with Jesus dead. We don't stop with Jesus buried in a tomb. There is more to the story. The resurrection from the dead changes everything. We believe that on the third day, Jesus was no longer dead and buried in a tomb, but alive. That means bodily. Thomas touched his side in his hands. Mary clung to his feet. Peter and the others ate fish with him. The Emmaus disciples walked with him. Now you might say, well, I know this. I believe this. This is what I grew up with. I've heard that all before. And to that I say, thanks be to God that that is your worldview. But then encourage you to remember with humility that prior to Jesus' bodily resurrection, the whole world only knew death, and that meant separation from the body and the spirit. The Gentile world held no hope for those who died, and the Jewish worldview looked only to the resurrection of faithful Israel, a future hope for their people, not a present reality. So what Jesus does on the third day brings something new to creation. He brings about a new reality. Jesus' resurrection from the dead changes everything. Now those former Gentiles who were believers in Christ in Thessalonica, they had some questions about what happens, not only to those who have died in faith to Christ, but what happens at the end of this age? What happens on the last day, or the day of the Lord, as we heard from Amos? There were rumors in St. Paul's day that perhaps this day had already come, and that somehow they and other believers were left behind. Well, if a believer simply dies and goes to heaven to be with Jesus, then those who are left, what is to become of them? What's to become of us? Forget the fake news. Hear the good news. St. Paul proclaims what Christ himself has revealed, that those who have died in faith to the Lord are at rest with Jesus, no longer struggling with sin, no longer fearful of death. Thanks be to God. They live in and with Christ because Christ himself lives. But a day is coming when the living Christ will descend from heaven, just the same way the apostles saw him ascend into heaven, which means Jesus will bodily descend in glory and will bring with him the living souls of all the saints. And all at once, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the trumpet of the Lord, the dead will raise. That means the bodies of those who are buried in the ground, the dust of the remains of those scattered, will be recreated. And no, this is not some sort of zombie apocalypse. This is a beautiful renewal of our bodies that the Lord has created, redeemed, and sanctified to be his temple. And the saints at rest with the Lord will be reunited with their risen and glorified bodies. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, 
Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This prophecy from Ezekiel chapter 37 will find its fulfillment in the last day. And it will happen all at once. For the saints at rest with the Lord, and for you and for me. If today should be that last day, the day of our Lord, and we still live here and now in the flesh, well, our own bodies too will be changed, and we will be with the Lord forever. But where shall we be with the Lord? Gathered together in the clouds in the air, as St. Paul seems to suggest? Does that mean that we'll be some disembodied spirit floating with Jesus in heaven? Fake news. False theology. The bodily resurrection of Jesus already brings us the good news that we will be raised just as Jesus himself was raised, which means bodily. We have the sure and certain hope that when a believer dies, they are apart from the body, they still live. We have Jesus' own words concerning that. But we also have the sure and certain hope, the bodily resurrection and the life that will last forever will be lived out in the recreated body, under the new heavens and on the new earth. Isaiah the prophet spoke God's words in Isaiah 65 when he said, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. St. Peter himself confesses in St. Peter 3. But according to his promise, Christ's promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And then St. John was given the glorious vision of this coming fulfillment when he saw a new heavens and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, the saints of God at rest, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is good news. <laughs> this is good theology because it comes from God himself. See, Christ Jesus has come to bear our sin, to suffer our death, to be buried in our grave, and to rise from death to life that we might live now as his loved and his forgiven people and to look forward to our resurrection on the last day. 
and to the life lived with him and with all the saints in his new creation. It's not fake news. It's good news. Be informed, transformed, full of hope, and encourage one another with these words till the very end of this age. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.